It's Monday, May 24th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Jason Moser. Good to see you. Howdy. Good to see you. We've got the business of sports. We've got an earnings preview. But for the second episode in a row, we're going to talk about Virgin Galactic. <laughs> and that's because shares of Virgin Galactic are up 15% today after the space company's test flight on Saturday went about as well as it could have. This is their first flight in more than two years. And uh, I, I think if you're obviously a shareholder um, or just someone rooting for advancements when it comes to space, you got to be pleased with what happened. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm definitely one of those people who is is rooting for for those advancements. I'm not a shareholder, um, at least not now. I, I definitely a company like Virgin Galactic piques my interest, though. I, I do I do like to uh, think about that kind of stuff. So uh, for me, like it was it was really neat to follow over the weekend. I mean, there there was a lot of good content on Twitter. Um, and so it was really encouraging from a, from a number of uh, of uh, angles. But I, I do feel like if there was ever an idea that embodies the notion that investing is a forward looking exercise, I think Virgin Galactic is has got to be on the short list. I mean, this is a company that generates no revenue. Um, and I mean, it was, it was funny. I was looking through the most recent earnings call, and, and it was just. It, it's very simple in that they're like, hey, here are financial results. Uh, we didn't make any money, uh, so therefore we lost a lot of money. Uh, but here's what we're doing. <laughs> and so, you know, you have to take this one, I think, with a little bit more of a leap of faith than others. And I think it's also trying to figure what do they do beyond just space tourism? Because, I mean, that's a neat opportunity. But when, when, you, when you put the numbers together, I mean, they've, they've, I think, got about 600 reservations today. Uh, for tickets for future flights, th those are sold at, at around two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars each. So if you do the math there, you got about one hundred thirty-five million dollars in revenue um, from those sales. Now, I mean, that's not really all that attractive. I mean, those are just one-off ticket sales. So you want to try to figure what what more does this company do? And I think that's the that's the fun part. Uh, when it comes to thinking about a company like Virgin Galactic, and and they talk about in in, in their in their calls and their decks, they have three markets that they intend to serve with this suborbital space flight system, and they're looking to serve private astronauts, microgravity research, and suborbital training for professional astronauts. So there are various ways that they're looking to try to utilize this technology, um, and, and that to me is probably the more exciting part. Of of the the longer term implications of a business like this, it's 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 the stuff that they're going to be able to do with all of this technology and all of this capability. Um, but 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 clearly, very very early days uh, in excellent news over the weekend for sure. When you look at the stock, as you said, it's a it is a pre revenue company. This is one of my favorite new uh, euphemisms in the world of investing over the last few years. Uh, uh, we're we're pre revenue. Pre revenue. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. that's a, about as, you know, it's like pre-owned cars. Um, but <laughs> you look at the stock, it's it's up nearly 50% in the past week. Do you look at it and think, I, I guess my question is, what should someone's expectation be if they are looking at this and saying, hey, I'm I'm rooting for this company, which is always a great position to be in as an investor. I'm rooting for this endeavor. Um, you know, you, you can't go back in time and buy it 50% ago, but what should the expectation be for an investor looking at a business like this? 
I mean, I, I think the expectation first and foremost needs to be uh, an expectation of volatility. I mean, you have to believe, you have to know going into an investment like this that it's going to be one that that is very headline driven, very emotional for a lot of people. Um, I mean, when you don't have revenue to go on, um, then you start going on other things. You start going on uh, goals, missions, aspirations, uh, optionality, perhaps. And, and I think that's going to be a key for a business like this, because right now, I mean, I think in the near term, at least, um, and I mean, by the near term, I'm talking about at least over the course of the next decade, uh, space travel is going to be like a, a Robin Leach lifestyles of the rich and famous luxury, right? I mean, I'm going to space and I don't know why. That's what people are going to be saying. That's It's just for rich people. <laughs> but I mean, maybe a decade out, maybe it starts to you know, come come to, to a larger audience, and, and that's great. So there's the expanding market opportunity from that perspective. But then it's really, what are they doing beyond just the actual space flight, right? What are they able to do with all of this capability? And, and so that's going to be a long ways away. And, and so with that in mind, I mean, you have to remember, even when this is, even when this is beyond pre-revenue, it's not going to be the most attractive revenue model, at least in the near term. So, so it will be headline driven. It like today, it will be emotionally driven. Um, but if you're a space enthusiast, and, and I consider myself a space enthusiast, I, I, I do. Um, this is the type of company where, if or when uh, I, I own shares. You only, you only need to own just a little bit. This is one where you, you just you own a small little piece of it and you kind of tuck it away and, and you check back maybe a decade <laughs> later. And, and hopefully it's still there. It should be. I think it will be. It looks like it has very capable leadership and they've made a lot of progress. Uh, but, but it's just it's not one that you want to sit there and monitor. Uh, it's one that's going to take a long time to play out, and, and it's one that is going to be very, very high up on the risk scale. So just a little bit uh, is all you really need. On Motley Fool Money last week, Andy Cross's radar stock was Autodesk. Uh, this is the software company that does 3D design engineering. Um, one of the things Andy talked about that, that he loves about this business is their high recurring revenue. They're going to yeah. report on Thursday after the closing bell. And I know this is a business that you have on your radar as well. What are a couple of things that you're going to be watching? Yeah, this has been a real fun one. Autodesk is uh, it's that 3D design, engineering, entertainment software, right? That, that computer auto, uh, computer aided design, uh, CAD software. They're they're really well known for. And and as you mentioned, I mean, a very strong recurring revenue. Uh, subscription revenue now accounts for 91% of total revenue. You just gotta love that. Um, and they made that transition uh, just just recently, really. I mean, that was where they they kind of had to take a little near term pain uh, for some some long longer term gain. Um, and it, you know, this is a business that I think I can let the cat out of, out of the bag now. I mean, I recommended it two years ago in our augmented reality service. Um, and, and I own shares myself as well. In, in that, that move over to the SaaS business model, while it, it played out in the near term uh, as a little bit of a headwind, it's really worked out well for the company. The, the stock over the course of the last three years is better than doubled, and it's obviously outperformed the market. Um, I think for me, you, know, you, you continue to watch that subscription revenue. Uh, the, the net revenue retention rate that they report, that's a metric that remains in that 100 to 110% range. And that's always something uh, worth watching as well. And, and there are a couple things that, that took place in, in, on last quarter's call that, that I 
like to just kind of see some updates here. Uh, one, management has, has been exploring uh, a, cons a consumption-based uh, facet to the business model. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, it, it reminded me of the conversations we've had in regard to Fastly and Cloudflare, for example. And we always kind of held the consumption-based business model against Fastly um, because it was apparent that in certain cases it wasn't optimal for the business. And that was something that Cloudflare, Cloudflare has a consumption-based offering, but it's, it's a very small chunk of overall revenue. I think something like 5%. They really do well uh, you know, with that subscription-based model and contractual offering. So I, I think that when you introduce a consumption-based uh, dynamic to the business model, you know, becoming a little bit more for your customers is always a good thing. So, so I'll be interested to see how that's uh, progressing, if if it's progressing. And then they also made an acquisition um, of, of a little company called Innovize uh, recently. That's a water infrastructure software company. Uh, so ultimately helping uh, water infrastructure uh, simulation and modeling, which that goes back to that engineering uh customer customer uh, demographic for the business i mean it's just uh, serve, serving a lot of very important customers in that regard and and it sounds like management believes that the back half of this year is going to start uh to really accelerate they saw uh the enterprise business agreements that were signed in the fourth quarter this this most recent reported quarter uh those were equal to the number signed in the entirety of the previous year so they've seen some acceleration business coming back uh, with guidance for the full year, they set last quarter at $4.93 at the midpoint. That puts shares today around 60 times uh, full-year estimates, which, I, I mean, I don't think anything looks cheap these days. Uh, but I, I will say, at least with Autodesk, it's a nicely profitable, well-established, very strong business leader in its space. So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit pricey, but, you know, the old saying, you get what you pay for. I think in this case, at least you know you're getting something really good. Yeah, and it's, you know, I think it's uh, probably a testament to the business model, the the management, sort of everything you talked about that, you know, this is a stuff, we've seen a bunch of software companies really pull back uh, in the first half of this year. And Autodesk is basically flat year to date. It might be down like 2%, 3%, something like that. But it's, you know, it really hasn't been slammed the way some of the others have. Yeah, I, and I mean, I, I think that's, that's, it's it's partly a testament to how established the business is. I mean, it's been around for a while. It's it's really viewed as a a high quality solution by a lot of a lot of its customers. Um, I, and anecdotally, I, I you know, people even reach out to me on Twitter sometimes, just saying, "Hey, you know, our company uses Autodesk, and it's just great." I mean, there is there is a switching cost involved there. Um, that, that grows over time, which is nice. So, you know, even even with a business like this, that really they're pegging top line revenue growth, they're pegging the top line growth for, for the year at around 14%. Uh, the model is so profitable now, thanks to that transition to, to the SaaS uh, model that, it, I, I mean, I, I think that's part of the reason why the market's willing to pay up for it. It's just, it's a very high quality business. The big story over the weekend in the world of sports is that Phil Mickelson won the PGA Championship. And the reason this is the big story in the world of sports is because Phil Mickelson is old for his sport. He's, I want to make it very clear. He's not old 
And I say that because he's younger than I am. But he's 50. He turns 51 next month. And for this level of golf, that's old. Um, It was, uh, you know, even someone like me who's not particularly a golf fan, I was keeping tabs on it Saturday and Sunday. Um, the way this ties into investing is he's a Callaway golf guy, yep. and shares of Callaway golf are up nearly 4% this morning. You know who else is a Callaway golf guy, Chris? I mean, you know, I'm just, listen, I, I mean, I, I think I said last last time we talked about Callaway, I play those Callaway irons as well. So just Yeah, just the difference saying. is Callaway is not paying you to do it. <laughs> they're well, paying, I mean, they're a, paying Phil. A lifetime ago, Max Fly did pay for me to, to play their club. So I, there we go. I, you know, hey, I, I, I at least had my moment in the sun, I guess. <laughs> but thankfully, I mean, for Phil, wow, another moment in the sun for him. I mean, this that was a tremendous week. Um, yeah, having grown up in South Carolina, having been down to Kiowa and played so much golf down there, to be able to watch that all play out on TV was really fun. I, I, I like Phil. Uh, I, I think he's very good for the game. I've enjoyed following his career um, and, and to watch what he did. I, I, I kind of always felt like it was just a matter of time for someone that age. Like, age is but a number, and if you take care of yourself, then then good things certainly can happen even as you get older. Uh, but you're right. I mean, at it, 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 close to 51, I mean, even when you have the physical – uh, ability to still knocking around the golf course like that. I mean, your nerves get frayed a little bit more easily. I mean, there there is a there is a dynamic. There's an emotional dynamic to playing golf that I think a lot of people don't quite uh, fully recognize. It, it it is a very very uh, mental game in a lot of ways. So it's really cool to see him be able to handle it like that. And and with Callaway, uh, I mean, I think this is going to be one of those things that. It, it, it will play out very well for them over the coming uh, quarters, perhaps even longer. I think a few things on the horizon just to think about. So first and foremost, I mean, the, the U.S. Open, which is next month at Torrey Pines. So, so Mickelson, with this win, he gets automatic, automatic exemption in the next five U.S. Opens. Well, he's, he's going into this U.S. Open at Torrey Pines where he grew up. And that's the one major he's missing. So he wants this probably worse than anything in the world. Um, and, and he's going in there feeling really good about things. So it'll be, it'll be neat to watch how the U.S. Open unfolds next month. And there was, there was a tweet I saw, I saw earlier from Chris Collinsworth that I thought just really encapsulated it. And he said, millions of guys over 50 will be on the driving range tomorrow. See you there. And I think he's right. I, I think that what we've seen clearly when we talked about Callaway's earnings results just a few weeks back, the company has done really, really well through the face of this pandemic. Um, people just getting outside and playing some golf. And, and when you look at golf data tech, the U.S. retail sales of golf equipment's hard goods were up 49% versus a year ago. Or I'm sorry, up 49% compared to 2019, seven, 72% compared to 2020. So, so you're seeing the trends headed in the right direction. And, w- and when you have a player like Mickelson, who's really a, a lot of people, a lot of people love the guy, you know, he, 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 he just generates a lot of interest in the game and, and, uh, and Callaway certainly, uh, I think will continue to benefit from this. Uh, and, and then you, you add to that also the top golf angle. I mean, it's going to bring people out there who maybe they don't ever want to step foot on a golf course. But they're going to have a good time going out there and hitting golf balls at a top golf, for example. I mean, there, there are a few different ways that Callaway can win now. 
and uh, and having having someone like Phil on staff, man, this this boy, that's a really big win. Not not only for Mickelson, but really for Callaway as well. It's interesting when you look at the the chart for Callaway Golf because the shares are up a little bit this morning. They're close to a 52-week high, which would actually make it the high for this century. <laughs> you know, they, like you go back to the late 90s, this was, I mean, this was a, a, a really hot stock for a good stretch of time, kind of came crashing back to earth and over the past decade has slowly built the business back up. And it's, you know, it's been rewarding for shareholders, particularly over the past decade. Yeah, well, and I mean, they, they just, they make good stuff. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, when it comes to golf, number one, we're a fickle group. We kind of know what we like, and we tend to stick with it for the most part. Um, so, so even even someone who's playing Callaway irons and wants to get a new set of irons, they're, they're most likely going to stick with Callaway because that's what, that's what we've been doing for so long. Um, I, I, the other angle I was thinking about was, and this will be interesting to see, just from a gambling perspective, given given how much information or how much how much uh, you know we're getting now with with the uh, the sports betting market. I just I'm going to be fascinated to see what this does for the odds on Mickelson next month and the amount of money that people actually plunk down on this. I think it's going to beyond beyond Callaway. I think the other platforms that benefit from this are the sports betting platforms because I think this is all of a sudden this is made next month just a whole heck of a lot more interesting than it was at the beginning of last week. Jason Moser, always great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.